Coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances, we wrap up 2023, look at all of the things that happened this year from the markets to dumb things that Dan and I spent money on. Stick around. That's coming up next. Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Craftwork Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Craftwork Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed, and please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions. Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances, and Happy New Year to all of you out there. I'm Ross Anderson, joined as always by my co-host, Dan Maseka. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. I'll admit I'm struggling today with what's probably the flu. I've got my handy-dandy Check Your Balances mug here trying to give me some energy while we record. I am also drinking out of my CYB mug, which I appreciate. We did not plan that, but we have coordinated coffee cups today. It's the best coffee cup. I also found a couple extra bonus mugs in my basement. I think I have two, so we'll have to find a way to get those into the hands of the people at some point. There you go. Well, so we're recording this on the final trading day of the year. I said last week in our show that we wanted to have basically year-end data, and we're about as close as you can get without you and me waiting till after 4 p.m. today. But we're basically looking at the end of 2023 as we record this, and you all are listening to it just after the new year. So I think this is a great time to reflect. Now, the first reflection... I'm going to send a huge thank you again to Kelly Phillips Herb for talking to us last week about the Moore versus the United States case in the Supreme Court. She sent in a quick note about an error that she made, and I really appreciate the diligence on her part that the Moors are not from North Carolina, but they are from Washington. She apparently noted NC on her documentation where she was taking notes, which she meant Ninth Circuit and... She's from North Carolina and basically continues to say North Carolina, I think, because she sees that NC notation. But either way, just wanted to clarify that. I don't think that materially changed anything from our show, but we appreciate her diligence. But let's look back on the year, Dan. Uh, Let's look back at the market. Let's look back at, I think, personal finance-wise, looking back at your spending is incredibly important, and this is a good time of year to do it. What happened? What do you what do you make of 2023? So I at one of my holiday celebrations with with my family for Christmas this year, a family member said to me, "I don't really get it. It seems like the stock market's doing great and nobody feels good." Is that is that your take? Is that a beautiful summary of 2023? Do, do you feel like people feel as good as the market was? I think maybe a little bit of confidence is coming back, especially over the last few months where the market has rallied hard. Um, But I keep going back to something you used to say a lot, and it's that you could give people almost perfect information about the future, and they still might get the investing part wrong. It has been an incredible market year by all accounts, like almost the best you could hope for. But like you said, I don't know that people were feeling good. And if we rewind a year, I think most people were very pessimistic about what was coming ahead. And if you had taken yourself out of the market or led with fear, you missed out big time. I mean, something like 75% to 100% of economists at this time last year were saying, we're going to have a recession in 2023. That the combination of, 
higher interest rates and continually rising interest rates, which I don't know anybody knew when they were going to stop raising the interest rates, but we knew that that was going to be the story. And a consumer that was starting to look tapped out. And and I think even this time last year, we were starting to say, hey, consumer debt's rising a little bit. You know, maybe, maybe that growth engine that has kind of been the the YOLO consumer that's just in there spending money, regardless of what's going on, they're just going to run out. And that hasn't really happened yet. And I think that there's, I'm not going to call it that they nailed it yet, because I'm seeing some articles say that, but but the Fed looks like they've been more right than wrong so far on what needed to happen and kind of where to stop the pain. Yeah, I agree with all of that and also agree with the fact that even though we might not be in a broad-based recession, there are certainly certain industries that are feeling the pinch more than others. And it doesn't mean that we're at the end of the line either. Like Next year could be very painful for all I know as well. Yeah, so so I think the story of the market this year is really, I would break it into two chunks. I'm looking at a chart and I tried to put a bunch... I'm using a bunch of relative ETFs just because it was easier to chart it this way. But I'm looking at large caps, developed international, emerging markets, small caps, real estate, bonds, and mid caps, right? So so kind of the major equity indices. And first of all, the story of the year has been large caps, right? Large cap stocks, the S&P 500, again, has demonstrated that diversification is stupid and you shouldn't worry about it. <laughs> Almost even more so than it shows, right? Because now the the famous term that everyone's using is the magnificent seven, referring to the large seven, basically tech stocks in the S&P 500. And to show the contribution of those stocks to the performance of the S&P, I like looking at the just general S&P 500 index, which is market weighted alongside an equal weighted index where every company gets an equal share basically in the in that ETF and the difference in performance between those two from what I'm looking at year to date is like 12 or 13% for the year. Huge. So yeah, so the outsized contribution of the Apples, the Metas, the Alphabets, the Nvidias, like those are the things that have been carrying to a large extent that index because if you look at the under other indexes it hasn't been the same rosy story all year at least. Yeah, the the seven, and you and I both get this now, but from marketsentiment. Um, I think it's marketsentiment.co, their email that came out this past week, NVIDIA, Meta, Tesla, Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet, and Apple, the worst of those up 55% for the year, which is Apple. NVIDIA up two and a half times, which is just wild. Meta up 187%, Tesla up 142%. And these aren't year-end numbers, but just incredible growth numbers out of the biggest names in the index that are really driving it, where the S&P looks like it's going to finish the year at about you know 24% positive, which is a huge year. And if you had been concentrated in any of those names, you're, you're pretty excited about it. Totally. Totally. So yeah, just, just missing out on those, which... It would have been easy to do if if we rewind a year. The story for Meta was not very rosy. Like people were very worried about the way they were spending money, and just missing that would have missed one of the best performances that you would have had out of any large cap company. Yeah, so I thought this was kind of interesting, and I was looking at them. and And again, we don't recommend specific stocks on our show, but the SG and A expense for Meta in the September thirty. 2022 reporting period, 
$7.16 billion. Here a year later, 4.73. That is a massive reduction in selling general and admin expense. Now, there, I think that's been the interesting story. And that was kind of my response to my family member that, that asked about well, what, like, what, what's driving this. And I think the story for a lot of these tech companies is that they started demonstrating to the market that they've got a lever in their bag that I'm not sure we all knew that they had, which is that we can put our thumb on expenses in a way that doesn't harm our business, that does not destroy revenue and momentum, but that brings profit to the bottom line in a way that we're, we're just not used to seeing. Because the story in a, year, in, a, in a zero interest rate environment has been growth. If you can grow revenue, if you can continue to increase your sales, almost nobody cared if you were actually making money. Nobody really cared if you were that profitable. The Amazon model has been reinvest, reinvest, reinvest. We don't care if you're profitable as long as you're getting bigger. And that all shifted in a higher interest rate environment. And so I think by by pulling out that lever and saying, yeah, we, we can do this. We can lay off 10,000 people or whatever the number was. I mean, just incredible numbers of people, depending on which company you're looking at here and really get our cost structure under control and look at what we can do. And so I think that's kind of been the story is it's not necessarily that everything's been great this year. It's that the companies that are driving the market have been really aggressively cost cutting and multiples have expanded. The other theme I think has been excitement around AI. And and so, I mean, certainly that's been the big push for, for NVIDIA, I think. But that to me feels like the main theme. It wasn't necessarily that the economy boomed in 23. It didn't. But for the companies that were moving the needle the most on the index, I think that's kind of the storyline. Yeah, we were shown that businesses are nimble, which is in part why I'm always long-term optimistic, is businesses are living, breathing things and will respond to outside stimuli. Like if something changes, they're going to adapt their business to make sure that they can continue to thrive in that environment and the good ones will succeed. And I think we saw that to a large extent this year as exampled by what you just said. Now, I said that this was a bit of a story of two rallies, I'll call it this year. That first three quarters of the year, I think, was really what I just said. I think it was that cost cutting. I think it was the large cap tech that really led. And it's not that that large cap stocks didn't have a good end of the year either. But listen to this, Dan. The sell-off that we got in the third quarter, we had a little bit of a kind of sell-down from, let's call it September through the end of October, right? It was about two months. On October 27th, looking at all of these ETFs that I'm using as comps, the only one that was positive was large cap. So developed international negative price return, small caps, bonds, real estate, very negative down, you know, 13% for the year. From that point to where we are now with small caps finishing at a 16% return for 2023, developed international up about 13%, real estate even showing a positive 7%. And emerging markets at five, right? All of these things that were negative at the end of October in a pretty meaningful way, showing huge rallies from that point to the end of the year. And that really seems to be on the optimism that we are at the end of the rate hike cycle and potentially talking about cuts. 
Yeah, I mean, some people are talking about a large number of cuts next year. My main fear is that we are betting too much that that's going to be the case. And the biggest killer for the market is when expectations and realities don't meet. So we might be in good shape. I just hope that, you know, if those those five rate cuts don't come next year, people aren't going to throw everything down the toilet again. I mean, it's almost the exact opposite of last year, right? When, When everything is super gloomy, all you need to do is not have the worst case scenario happen and and markets can outperform. And when the markets are expecting absolute gold, I think that's at the highest risk. So if you're looking at your portfolio, I, we're not calling for market crashes. You hear that every day. I'm, I'm so tired of hearing guys that do nothing but call for market crashes say, it's here, biggest bubble ever. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't even have a strong opinion in that way other than to say, you're wrong 75% of the time if you're calling for negative market years. But if you're expecting the same type of optimism, I think a lot of it is checking those expectations, right? Are your expectations properly aligned with reality? And this is a good time to reevaluate a portfolio. Hopefully you've had a nice recovery from what was a horrific 2022 and Start looking at it. Look at it in the context of your financial plan. How much closer to retirement are you? Are you within five years of when you were expecting to stop working and start spending some of this money? If that is the case, you should be thinking about the de-risking process. And we tend to think about that in an annual sort of way where you go, okay, am I prepared for that next year? Am I prepared for the year after that? Right? Where is that money going to come from? This is a good time to be doing that. Yeah, or, or rebalancing, you know, with all the different asset classes moving the way they have, you might be out of whack. We don't typically subscribe to the frequent and kind of automated rebalancing method, but that is something you want to keep track of and make sure everything is still, you know, within a reasonable tolerance of where you want it to be. This is also a great time of year to be thinking about your spending and your savings plan. And so Dan and I, as part of having some fun in this kicking off the year episode, we took a look at our personal expenses. And this, this was not fun for me. This is not fun for you? No, I, so I, did, I did not enjoy it. I think a lot of people don't like this. I think this is what people should be doing this time of year is taking a look at their budget and not their budget in terms of what category am I hoping to spend my money in next month and the month after that. But where did you actually spend your money looking at the last year? Now, if you're using a credit card for your day-to-day expenses, the year-end summary is the greatest tool in the world. They literally print you your Spotify-wrapped version of your entire credit report for what you spent money on. They break it down into categories, and they're not always perfect, but they're normally really, really close. If you don't pull down those annual statements every year, I would encourage you to take a look and give that a look, right? We're doing that before the actual end of the year. So I am using Rocket Money for this. With Mint.com going away, I've been testing Rocket Money to see if this is going to be my replacement for it. So far, fairly happy. Who doesn't pay us, but again, I'm always happy to take money if it's offered. Correct. Yeah, no, we, we are not sponsored by Rocket Money. I, I, I am paying for their premium for a year out of my own pocket. It's not even a, a, I mean, I guess in theory, I could write it off as, as research expense or something, but, but, but currently paying for that personally just to try it. So we're, we're taking a look at some expenses. Dan, what was the biggest number expense wise that you came up with? And does it put a smile on your face or does it make you upset? 
No, so I'm using my credit card statement. The biggest numbers are tax payments. I'm going to exclude those and mortgage and all that. Yeah, stuff. My, mine was also a tax payment. Yeah. I really right. hated that. The biggest expense on my credit card this year was a $2,061.84 auto repair bill for my wife's car. Does not put a smile on my face, I'll tell you that. Then an insurance payment. The next one is a $1,000 payment to Anne Arundel Veterinary Clinic for my dog. Ooh, not a smile go. on my face. Okay. Uh, I spent a lot of money on stuff that I wish I didn't have to, is what is what this told me. So my biggest single expense for the year was the lodging for a trip that I'm actually taking next week. And it does put a smile on my face because I am getting ready to uh this is kind of my splurge trip. It's it's the home uh for a ski trip out in Breckenridge. I'm hyped for it right now. And so my largest one expense other than a tax payment or or mortgage stuff. I think makes me very excited. That does sound fun. Yeah. Uh, the first next one that puts a smile on my face is I'm also taking a trip in a couple of weeks. We're going down to Florida to visit some family. I'm excited about that. The splurge, I'll go with the splurge category. I don't know if you have any splurges up there. I have a um, $359.50 purchase to see the Foo Fighters next summer with my Ooh. buddy. Okay. Uh, so... I'll always pay for a great show. And and my new thing is I like traveling for live music. I like seeing it not, you know, in the hometown. I like going to a destination. We're going to travel up to Pennsylvania. I'm going to try to convince him to do some historical sightseeing while we're up there. And I'm not sure I'll win that battle, but at least we'll see the Foo Fighters and have a good show. Dan, do you have a most annoying thing that you spent money on? Is there one that you look at that you just go, oh, gosh, I can't I mean, believe that. Uh, honestly, it's always the dog. We've talked about my dog so many times. She's 12 years old this week. I, I have to guess I've spent four or $5,000 on her this year. And That's a big it's number. Like, it's a huge number. So between veterinary, like non-routine veterinary visits this year, she's, I don't know, she's getting old and stuff happens to her. And just the routine stuff, like all the Flea and tick, the food, the snacks, the shots and vaccine, like all that stuff is such a hidden budget item. Like that's, that's a big number. It's a big number. That's interesting. I mean, it is a big number. Does that not get wrapped into kind of regular grocery spending? Do, do you see it lined out differently? Cause I, I don't uh, think that I would notice stuff like that. Cause I just, it just kind of gets baked into my shopping and my routine stuff. So I, I get all the stuff from different places. So like, they don't pay us. They don't sponsor us. Chewy sends over some of the stuff. So that's like an explicit bill. The vets are separate. Her flea and tick is from somewhere else, which I had to buy yesterday. $190 for a six-month supply of this stuff. It's a family member, Dan. Don't. It's, that's why I spend it. Yeah. That's why I spend it. But it's just crazy. I, I wonder like how normal people account for that in their budget because... You know, it's, it's certainly not earmarked on mine. Five hundred dollars a month, dog. Like that's <laughs> that's an expensive budget line item. So I I had two things that were on mine that were just really really annoying. One we talked about briefly on the show, which towing was when, expense. which was my towing expense. And I, you know, we've been joking about this for a while. You and I just personally, I still don't know if I'm going to escalate it to the point of going after these people. I really want to just just to ruin their day. I was told that because it's a corporation, if you try to take them to small claims court, they will send in a lawyer and that moves it to district court. So 
that makes it a little bit less interesting to me because your standards of evidence change and all, all, all sorts of stuff changes. So I was thinking you get a small claims court. They're not allowed to use a lawyer. And I just get to tell a judge what a jerk this towing company is. And <laughs> it sounds like what's going to happen is if I do that, they will immediately come back and say, okay, we are willing to serve, you know, deal with this case, but we're going to send our attorney in and it's going to move to a much higher level of court and, and standard of care there. So I, I think I've got, pro- it, again, I, I think I can make a case, but it's kind of this, like, am I willing to invest the time for, you know, what, what was lost there? It makes me super annoyed. The other one, when I dropped my phone uh. and it, the glass didn't even crack, but the screen under the glass cracked. And the number of things that I have on two-factor authentication, I was completely shut down for a day. I mean, just a whole day of like, you're not going to do anything today. Whatever you thought you were going to do, you're going to Best Buy and getting a new phone right now. And this is what was so annoying about it. So not only did I have to go buy a new phone... When you go to transfer your old cell phone to your new one, you have to unlock it. And so if your screen doesn't work, you can't unlock it to even transfer it. So even to get all of my data from one phone to the other, I had to buy a new phone. Then I had to go to a screen repair place, (laughs) have them put a new screen on it just for an hour so that I could transfer the data because otherwise I couldn't get into anything. I mean, I can call and I I can get into like our business tools if I have to, and we've got backups on how we get into that stuff. It was actually an interesting kind of test of our disaster recovery process. Not that breaking a phone should be a disaster, but I think the phone replacement itself was like five, 600 bucks. And yeah, that's just the dumbest money. I, I hate that. Right. Just buying a new phone on its own is annoying to have to go through the headache of repairing your soon to be discarded phone is just salt in the wounds. Yeah, that was a rough one. Did you have a silliest thing? Is there something you looked at where you were like, well, that's that's just ridiculous. Like, not that it's annoying, but but just something goofy that you bought. I'll tell you mine while you're thinking about it. Okay. I loved the show Ted Lasso. I ended up buying like a silver token that says believe on it in like the Ted Lasso script. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. It's sitting in a drawer in my home. I don't know why I bought this. It was like $40, but <laughs> to have a like silver token with the Ted Lasso believe that's the dumbest thing perhaps that I spent money on this year, but it doesn't make me upset. I'm actually yeah. glad that I own that. It makes you happy. It's all that matters. Yeah. What is the dumbest thing I've spent money on? I don't know. I'm sure I spend money on lots of dumb little things, but it's probably so routine that they don't jump out to me. So Dan, I, we didn't prep for this, but is there anything you're doing different going into 2024 does reflecting on your budget are you looking at your savings rate are you looking at kind of where you're putting savings has anything changed in that realm for you i'm bumping my 401k contribution by one percent i'm not quite at the level of where i want to be as kind of like a terminal savings rate there yet so i'm I'm going up one for folks out there i think this is a good time again of year to do that is Take a look. If you're not at the limit, the limit's going up to 23000 for 2024 if you are under age 50. So you're getting an extra $500 a headroom there. So you may be able to change those contributions right now if you were already maxed out last year. And if you're not, again, this is a good time to do it. Yeah, that, that's honestly a good best practice. Take a look at it. Uh, this year is going to be a 
transition year for us. My daughter's out of preschool and into public kindergarten where that monthly bill has dropped to zero. So we're going to focus on savings this year and be able to capture the 2000 plus a month that was going out to that school, which worth it, but I'm very happy to not be paying that anymore. So I think that's our focus this year is to keep all the automated stuff we have going and then hopefully just build on top of that and make sure that we keep that discipline going. Because when you're paying a bill, it's the same muscle as savings. You just can't pretend that that money is now free and available for whatever you want. So it's the easiest transition to make is once something stops, just move it to a different objective instead of letting bad habits build afterwards. I mean, that's really the snowball method of paying off debt, right? Is if you're if you're making a payment and you pay off one bill, not to then celebrate and enjoy that new cash flow, but to kind of redirect that same power to the next piece of debt that you have. So for anybody that's out there dealing with debt service and kind of working through getting some bills paid down in that way, yeah, you don't let yourself celebrate and enjoy each of those little wins, the key is to kind of say, hey, I've already adjusted my spending to that amount. Keep the discipline going. And you're exactly right. If you can pay down debt, you can save. Both of those are the simple, you have to earn the money and not consume it. That That is the key. Those are the same muscle that, that you're flexing when you do that. You should do a little celebration. Do a little celebration, then move on. <laughs> I I know. I, it, it, you're right. Yes. It's, it, but, but the key is not to like completely absorb that same cash flow into your budget. So right, yeah, I'm not exactly. saying I'm don't, don't like penalize yourself or not feel proud of the accomplishment. That's not the point, but yes, it's a good time to be evaluating all of that stuff. All right. To wrap up Ross, I know we didn't prepare for this either. Do you have any best of 2023 that you'd like to shout out like music, books, movies, anything you think the people should know about? Oh goodness. I'm gonna get I can give a couple if you want to wait. I'm happy to give shout outs to things that excite me. Yeah, I mean I I think Morgan's new book is is probably on my on my best of list. Um mm-hmm. other things that I, I mean, just personally things I've been reading. Uh I'm about halfway through right now a an oral account of Anthony Bourdain's life. It was an interview with like all of That's the folks great. that he worked with over the years and and just getting to hear kind of what his real path was like from being a child going through the addiction stuff that he faced, what he was like as a young cook into being a, a TV star and the personality. I'm fascinated by him. Like he, he, if when I get asked that question of like, who would be your all time dinner guest of, you know, who would you want to hang out with and have a meal? Anthony Bourdain is my, my answer to that. I, I think he'd be the That's coolest person to, to have a meal with, but yeah. So, so the, those would be the two that come to mind without having prepped it. But, um, you know, movie wise, I thought Oppenheimer was great. You know, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have good answers right off the top of my head there. That's cool. I need to see Oppenheimer. I just heard an interview with the person who did the musical score and it blew my mind just the way he thinks about music on such a different level than I do. Uh, it, was, it was really cool. Haven't seen the movie. But that's coming up next. Getty Lee, the bassist and vocalist for Rush's new autobiography, My F in Life. Incredible. Highly recommend it to any music or non-music fan. My wife hates Rush's music. She finds it intolerable, but she watched a documentary and grew to love the people of Rush. Okay. So even if you don't care about Rush, I think it's a good read. If you like good old honky-tonk music, I'm going to throw out Ellis Bullard to check out. Small-time Texas band, Ellis Bullard. It's real fun. So give them a follow. Yeah. I mean, m- music-wise, he's not new, 
Leon Bridges, I absolutely oh, yeah. love. And if I can get my phone and remember this guy's name, uh, Spotify recently recommended an artist for me that I was unfamiliar with and started listening to recently. Tom Mish, M-I-S-C-H. He's a guitar player from, I think he's multi-instrumental, but um, I hear a lot of guitar. Guy from the UK, plays kind of real disco-y, kind of hip-hoppy drums, but but real funky. I absolutely digging his stuff. I don't know if that's just Spotify curating something small for me, but uh, if that sounds like it's your jam, Tom Mish, really enjoy it so far. Do you remember off the top of your head who your number one Spotify wrapped artist was? Uh, it was Leon Bridges, actually. Nice. Yeah, it was uh, It was a song, Bad Bad News by Leon Bridges. It was my number one song of the year. Love it. Mine was uh, Lucas Nelson, Willie's son. He's got some great stuff, too. That's awesome. I always think it's funny when we talk music and our worlds like rarely overlap. I think Leon Bridges is probably in our interlocking circle. Th- that's in our small Venn diagram of things that you and I both listen to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, we hope everybody had a, a great 2023. And if you didn't, it's over. We we are on to the next one. Even if it's just a symbolic closing of one chapter and opening of another, we're wishing everybody prosperity and happiness this year. We look forward to continuing to develop our show. And if you've got things that you want to hear us talk about, check your balances at outlook.com is the email address. That's where you can find me and Dan. We'd love to know what's on your mind. As you look at your spending, is there anything funny that you see? Is there anything that comes to mind as like, oh my gosh, that was dumb. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for tuning in last year, and we're looking forward to a great 2024 with you.